Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. for nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson and today we have another friend of the show coming back again, Billy Alexander. Hello, sir. Hello. Today I want to talk to you about something very near and dear to my heart and yours. RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. So it's only appropriate that we have you and I should also mention that Ethan's here today. I was literally about to snag the mic from you and be like, also, I'm here too. Thanks so much. (laughs) Well, um, he's here. (laughs) And we have poured up some wine. So, cheers, folks. So, we've started this new tradition where you'll come over and watch Drag Race during these crazy times that we live in. Yes. Just for the joy of it and... We get pretty into it. We get pretty uh, methodical about, you know, pretty much like other people in this world talk about football or basketball or something. We talk about drag race. We do. And we discuss why we think this person should be eliminated (laughs) and why this person did not deserve to be eliminated. Exactly. You've seen every single episode. Yes. Except for Drag Race UK, which we are starting tonight. Yes. Because... We might have had a friend who might or might have not have got it for us for free yes. from an international dark web source. <laughs> so, uh, we're good people. I don't know what you're talking about. We do everything above board and legally. Yes. Everything's paid for. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Somebody paid for it. So, um, so, yeah. Tell me about your experience with Drag Race. Um, so Drag Race has been on for 11 years now. Um, we have seen... 11 or 12. It's been so 12 it's seasons. So it's 11 years, but only 12 <laughs> seasons. Okay. Um, I've watched it since season two originally, and mm-hmm. I had to go back and watch season one with that horrible Vaseline filter. Mm-hmm. And that lady that's not Michelle, Michelle Visage. Yeah, she was on the first four what seasons. What um, Mel Ginsburg. I don't know why I know that. I don't. I don't think I've even seen a season that she was on. <laughs> <laughs> and we can no longer shake the dice because it's Santino Rice. He's no longer there either. Yeah. Didn't somebody see? You told me a story. Somebody saw him at a, like a festival, right? So a drag queen who I listen to on a podcast on a regular basis um, said that she may or may not have seen Santino Rice uh, selling like jams and such. At a music festival. Wow. Yeah. She said she does not know that it was him because she did not go up to talk to him because if it was him, she did not care to talk to him. But it did look like him. And that's all she said. Well, all I can say is I'm much happier since (laughs) Mel and Santino are no longer there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think the show's only gotten better. Do you like um, Carson and Ross? So, love Michelle. 
She's an absolutely <laughs> phenomenal person. That's not what we asked. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ross, I love him. Love seeing Ross. He makes my heart happy. We go to the same coffee shop sometimes. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Your BFFs. I know. I wave at him and say, hey, Ross. And he says, hey, back. Exactly like if we had actually known each other in real life. But um, I could do with or without Carson. I don't feel like he puts in as much effort as the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, he just looks like he's got a stick up his butt. Yeah. he um, And it's always like a early 2000s gay joke with him. Yes. <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. You're so right. I'm starting a petition to remove Carson and replace him with um, Leslie, Jordan. Leslie Jordan. Yep. Leslie Jordan or Leslie Jones? Oh, no. Leslie Jones, not Leslie Jordan. Sorry, Leslie Jordan. We love you, but I meant Leslie Jones. I would be okay with Leslie Jordan. But I want to see Leslie Jordan in Drag Race. I think that would be fun for him to be a judge. Has he ever been a judge? I think he's been a judge one time. Oh, yeah. he needs to come back. I like him. Um, I love Leslie Jordan, but that's my answers to the two judges you asked. What do you think about Michelle Visage? Well, I love her. <laughs> uh, she's an absolutely wonderful human being. I think so too. Like, and you know, I, the more I think about it, because there's all these rumors now that, um, that RuPaul is perhaps not the nicest person or the most conscientious of being on the right side of history sometimes. <laughs> Mm. I just I feel bad for Michelle because I feel like she's like doing double duty to make him look good, to make her look good, to make the girls look good. She and wants not her a, boobs and, and not her boobs because they're gone now. <laughs> did you know that? I did know that mm-hmm. it was a it was a big thing that um, between I think it was season nine or ten's finale. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last time it was filmed, she had a um, boob reduction because mm-hmm, she had. But and it's not because she had back pain or because of any of that. It's because she's like. She's one of those people who's like clean eating, like she's very concerned with uh, supplements and, you know, taking out things in her diet that mm. will give her like alien babies or something. She's very into that. Yeah, that's that's the section of her life that I just choose to ignore and part ways with her on because those people can grate on my nerves sometimes. They do cross over into the beauty industry quite a lot, and I just want to educate them, shall we say. She's one of those people that's like, coconut oil is the answer to everything. And not so much. However, I do love her gray hair that she's growing out. She's like, y'all wanted it, here it is. And I'm like, give me the glasses, give me the nails, give me the gray hair. I love everything you're doing during quarantine. I love it. So who's your favorite queen? If you have to <laughs> ask, <laughs> it's going to be Jujube um, every single time you ask. So from all 12 seasons, all, 12 all five seasons. all-star seasons, everything. Yes. It's Jujube. It's Jujube. It's been Jujube since season two. Since you since you laid eyes upon her, yes, mm-hmm. I I agree. I think she's fantastic. I will say, um, Trinity the Tuck Taylor, she's up there for me. I will agree with that. Um, Trinity um, has always been one of my favorite queens since she's from our um, hometown. Yeah, we we saw her perform in college mm-hmm. when she had a twenty three inch waist. Exactly. But that's a whole box of things we're not going to dig out today because we love her. We not love our business, her. not our place. And she didn't have as many plastic parts up in her either. I, I think she looks great, though. I do, too. It's so hard for me to pick a favorite because, first of all, I, have, I haven't seen, I think I've only seen like half of the whole show. So I'm not even super familiar with a lot of the great queens. Like, this is my first time watching this 
all-star season that we'll get into seeing Jujube. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I love her so far. She's pretty great. I don't know. I mean, I always love kimchi. I do like kimchi as well. I'm going to have to just go with the top three because mm-hmm. I can't, you know, nail down a favorite. But it would probably be kimchi, Trixie, and Alaska. One of those three is probably probably the favorite. Two winners and a meh queen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, just kidding, kimchi. You're not a meh queen. Well, we are going back now in just a moment and watching all the original se- shows. Because you can I think our friend who... Is helping us see the UK. He also has most all of the other seasons available for us to watch on DVD, right? And so we're going back to watch them because I think it's on Hulu. Is it? It's Hulu and Amazon. Mm-hmm. You can watch them on the first six so, seasons. Yeah, we're going back and watching them. Um, the first season was interesting. Hate to, it. To say the least. So again, I have not seen the first season, but I listened to the podcast Race Chaser with Alaska and Willem when they were talking about season one. All I have to say about season one is I am a beautiful person inside, but also on the exterior. <laughs> <laughs> um, and season one was where we met Angina. Yes. Who was a force to be reckoned with and a storm within herself on season one. Yes, and for me, it was a little bit disheartening and disappointing to see Angina come back to All Stars 5. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, um, that she did not do that well. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, and people were begging for her because she was, I mean, she was, I think really that scene, and spoiler alert for you, Ethan, because you haven't seen it yet, when she's standing on the main stage and she comes out as HIV positive, and that was in what 2009 something like is that, that yeah. is that when we started um which you know is it it's not new to be hiv positive but for somebody to just still own that that truth about themselves in such a public way um i think it really helped a lot of people see i don't know just uh, to see that it was okay yeah yeah that to you're see not that, being discriminated against um mm-hmm. Even though it's still seen as, um, um, I don't even know what the word that I'm looking for is, but people just don't look at you the same after they find out. It's almost like the scarlet letter, I feel like. Like, It's like stamped to your forehead almost, and people Mm -hmm. treat you like, it's like you are a leper, you know? Like, oh, stay away, or I might might get it from you just by being in the same air as you, you know? Well, and I think, too, in in 2009, there was still a lot of prejudice. I mean, there still probably is more than we would like to think within the LGBTQ community, a lot of prejudice from the L to the B to the G to the T. To Um, the plus. To the plus. I mean, they're, like, we, we, as a whole, the community, we really say we stand up for a lot, but there is still a lot of discrimination amongst the letters, and I think that was a moment where HIV and AIDS, it permeates all the letters. And I think that was a space for humanity. And also, um, I really think that RuPaul's Drag Race has become sort of an allegory for just all of life. I mean, you watch this show and you see these people triumph and fail and work out their differences and be just the epitome of creativity on stage. And it really is the reason you watch television is to be inspired and mm. it's just an inspiring show. A lot of straight allies are watching RuPaul's Drag Race because it it's a message within the show that just transcends everything that 
if you put yourself out there, you're going to find find new things about yourself that you didn't even know. Because that's what, that's what RuPaul says. She says, drag does not change you. It reveals you. And, you know, I think RuPaul's Drag Race has also brought forward some things in the community that um, maybe some people didn't know existed um, and helps educate them on, like, mental health and um, various different um, avenues. We get to see a lot of the the girls who go, um, who go on to be contestants on the show um, talk about their strained family experiences as well. And, you know, a lot of them have okay relationships with one parent and non-existent relationships with another parent or various, you know, levels of that. And the lesson that those people always get is it's not about the family you are born into. It's about the family that you choose. And for every person out there who watches the show and who gets to see, oh, that's like me too, you know, just it, for every thing that you get to see other people go through and lets you know that you're not the only one, it just helps you feel a little bit better about it. I agree. Mm-hmm. That being said, <clears throat> uh, I mentioned it at the top of the show that RuPaul doesn't exactly have the best reputation for being nice or the most tolerant of all people. For instance, there's a, a huge swath of people who have it take issue with the fact that he doesn't generally cast transgender people uh, to be on the show. What are your thoughts on RuPaul for both of you? Over the you know my time watching the show and then listening to that podcast with two people who got to work with her very closely, um, I've gotten a lot of a good bit of insight. But having said that, not, none of us here have met RuPaul. So we can't say for sure how she really behaves when she's in front of you. But the things that I hear that kind of, you know, give me pause are the stuff about transgender contestants and how she just doesn't seem to think that there's a place for them really in her show. I can't remember who it was. Oh, yes, I do. It was um, Jiggly, Jiggly Caliente. Apparently, according to some sources, allegedly and all that, had every intention of transitioning before the show but knew to wait until after so that they could get on the show. And then, you know, there's new drama about her and RuPaul and fracking, which those two phrases in the same sentence is just bizarre to me. But she might lease part of her, you know, Montana ranch property to oil companies and gets money from that, which is crazy. I find it fascinating because I was just telling you this this morning that 2020 has revealed a lot of weird stuff. Like, I saw this uh, meme today that said, if you'd have told me last year that this year, 2020, would be what it was, and at the end of it all, the con- the liberals would have NASCAR and the conservatives would have Harry Potter, I'd have said you were crazy. <laughs> so I guess that's, um, that's, you know, RuPaul's got some conservatism in her as well. And I feel like we keep seeing it over and over again with people it feels like once you reach a certain threshold of money, I think it really does just come down to the money, you know? Like, once yes. you reach a certain level of wealth, something happens in your brain where you start thinking a whole lot more about yourself than you ever did. And you don't really care what you do or who you sell your soul to in order to make more of that money. Um, and then for me, like, I also hear about how she just doesn't seem to care to learn people's names. And that really irks me. Like, that, 
because that to me just speaks to like your character. You know, it's one thing to frack and it's one thing to have issues with trans people because she, well, she is an older person and so you, (laughs) you care more (laughs) about someone's name than transgender people and the planet. (laughs) I don't really know how to, how to explain it, but like, those are obviously like massive issues that here's the thing. There's obviously massive issues that she is far from alone in feeling about, you know? Um, and like I said, she is of a certain generation. It's, I guess what I'm saying is it's not super shocking. Even if it's just, even if it is RuPaul, it's not terribly shocking to hear that she might not have the biggest space in her heart for trans people. But the fact that she can't even bother to remember people's names, like people's names who have been on her show and Mm -hmm. she worked with, that is like the basic human decency level to like, I'm going to remember your name. And she does not. She does not care to. Well, if you do the math, 14 queens for 12 seasons is 168 drag queens. That's a lot of people to have to remember their name. But there hasn't been 14 per season. How many were there? The first season started with like nine. Oh. And then it grew exponentially from there. (laughs) Also, apparently, she forgot who won season 11, like, the day after it happened. Because it was on her podcast. Like, her and Michelle, on their podcast, were talking about season 11. And she was like, because Brooklyn won, right? And Michelle had to be like, no, it was Evie Oddly. And they they kept it in, is the crazy thing. I I think she might have uh, Alzheimer's. (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> or maybe she was joking. But uh, what are you, what are your feelings about uh, about Rue? So I think, and then I'll give mine. I, uh, I think Rue is a very special person, um, and it takes um, a very special person to have built the empire that she has made. However, I think some of her beliefs still don't match up to this century mm-hmm. and this um, current state that we are in, um, I think some of the things she's thinking um, is just like when she first started doing drag, like how trans people were not um, in drag or as seen as drag queens as they are now. Mm -hmm. Like drag is for everyone. Drag is not just for men dressing up as women. Right. Um, So just like with J.K. Rowling coming out, you know, this past week that she doesn't support trans people really. Um, I, I guess the verdict is still out on that because um, that's a whole thing that's been a topic of conversation in this house and I don't really we won't get into it in this podcast because this is about RuPaul's Drag Race but at the bottom line I was saying that like you know it seems a little more nuanced than she doesn't support transgender people but it's like well also if the trans community is mad they're mad yeah. Whether you accept it or not. It's like black people are being murdered in the streets right now for, by mm-hmm. our cops. Whether you accept it or not. It's, it's the truth. It's, I mean, I don't know what to tell it's you. <laughs> so like with J.K. Rowling, trans people are mad, so they get to be mad, you know. Well, so my point was that RuPaul and J.K. come from the same like era. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of where my comparison was going, that they may not be the same person or from even mm-hmm. the same continent, but they still were brought up in the time where things were a certain way and only certain things were accepted. Well, and I think, too, RuPaul is much like Dolly in a lot of ways in the fact that Dolly is the butt of a lot of jokes. And Dolly has decided, well, 
if I'm going to be the butt of those jokes, I'm going to tell those jokes way better than any of y'all have ever told those jokes. And Rue was the same way. And so it doesn't super register to Rue that a joke that he finds funny, that he would find funny if he were the butt of it, isn't so much funny for some people. Or, you know, stuff that he finds lighthearted isn't exactly lighthearted because he doesn't take himself too too seriously. Um, it's not other people's fault that the joke didn't land. Right. But he doesn't care. I will say, too, about Rue is that she seems to be, like, the physical embodiment of speak your truth. You know? Like, if I got the timeline correct, it seems like she had moderate to high success in the 90s. Then she got her talk show. That didn't go real far, and then it got canceled. She disappeared for a little while, and then she came back and said, I'm the most famous drag queen in the world. And everybody was kind of like, okay. Actually, her, her talk show was actually pretty successful for what it was. It was on VH1. Um, so it ran for a few seasons. The new one was not that successful. Mm. The new one had a test run and it flopped. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Because I remember, yeah. she. Uh, all I knew was she had a talk show and it didn't go too far. But maybe mm. it's the new one that I was thinking of. Um, well, the, what you were saying that like she kind of had some successes here and there along the way. And then went away and then came back and then decided she was the most famous drag queen in the world. Um, sure. That is one way of diminishing her success. But in my opinion, it's all branding, and she found a way to do it. And it's she like, well, it. you know what? I said I'm the most famous drag queen in the world, and now I am, and look at you. Every person in this world knows my name. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, all right. Well, you win. The victor gets to write the history. So I guess my last thought about RuPaul and, like, his opinions, his or her opinions mm -hmm. on certain issues is I kind of want to use um, one of her sayings against her in some ways. Oh, yeah. Um, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. If you're going to say that, you need to mean that. Like, mm. we are all born naked no matter how we feel on the inside. We should all be allowed to do drag. And, yeah, you know, like, regardless of if you're male, female, trans, cis, Whatever everybody is mm -hmm. should be accepted in the drag community. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, I mean, I well, not at the same time. I agree with all that. Period. Full stop. Um, but also, I don't really get bogged down myself personally with the hearsay and the stories that might or might not be true about celebrities like for instance people in hollywood i mean we all live here in los angeles people in hollywood love to like to tell that urban legend that ellen's really a bitch and it's like well i watch her show this is what i get from her show and what i get from her show is joy and gladness so the bitchy stories of her on set doesn't really affect me in that way and so I'm not going to really bog it down. And I, I have to sort of do that cognitive dissonance stuff with RuPaul as well because what I get from her, what she's putting out, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Don't take yourself too seriously. Once you wake up and realize that this is all a facade, um, it really speaks to me. And it's like if that is all calculated, then what you have calculated yourself to, to be the mother of I'm buying. I'm subscribing to it. Which reminds me of a theory that I've kind of come upon lately, actually. Um, it almost seems to me like that idea of separating the art from the artist 
is really like a luxury that's only given to straight men, if you think about it. Because it almost seems like anytime it's a woman or anytime it's somebody like RuPaul, who's on the queer spectrum, anytime who it's somebody other than a cisgender male who maybe lived their lives in a, in a different way than the messages that they try to put out, then they're canceled. But anytime it's a cisgender man, usually straight, who's doing that, we get the, oh, but the message is still there and we can just separate the art from the artist and we can appreciate, appreciate it for what it is. And that's not fair. It's not. Well, and like, like Woody Allen, people like as during the Me Too movement, Justin Timberlake was in post-production with a Woody Allen of a Woody Allen film. But you watch the Cosby show, you will be executed for going against the, you know, the, the majority. So... Which the Cosby show is like a show from our childhood. Like, So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we've got lots more RuPaul's Drag Race to talk about. So we're talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. And we kind of got into your favorite queens. We kind of got into this. So my yours was Jujube. Mine, I think, was Trinity the Tuck Taylor, mostly because I know her personally. Not that she would remember me because it's been years and years and years and she's met many famous people. But she's my favorite. Um, and you said yours was Kim Chi. So now let's get into the dirt of it all. What was your favorite season? Probably um, season six. For what reason? I believe, I think I'm thinking of the right season. I think that's Alyssa Edwards season. I was going to say that Alyssa Edwards and Coco. Is, yeah. it, is it because of Alyssa Edwards and Coco I or loved, just because of Alyssa Edwards? I loved Alyssa Edwards. So for those of people who have not watched it, first of all, go watch it. We already told you at the top of the show it's available on streaming services and iTunes. Um, but in season six, we think... Alyssa and Coco ha- are come from the pageant scene, and they have history. And that was, I think, that was the first, like, the first time that it came up that it was like, oh, feuds make good TV. And mm-hmm. so now, after that, every season, they're like, who's gonna feud this year? And they always do. Now they cast people who knew each other in a previous life. They do, and they have some type of drama to like give the fans something to watch and like because they they had good tv with Mm -hmm. Alyssa and coco and they kept that thing going they did and um i thought this past year they were gonna do that with Derek berry and what's that big teeth girl's name india fair yeah that girl i thought they were gonna do that and then they didn't so (laughs) (laughs) i guess they're like well you're just not even good enough to be a part of this so all you got is Brittany. um so yeah that's your favorite season i think so it comes down to that, and I really did enjoy Benda LaCreme's season. That was the one season that we were in between moving to New York and L.A., and we didn't see it. So Benda LaCreme is probably in my top three as favorite drag queens ever. Um, I was so upset during All-Stars 3 when she sent herself home. Um, that was just tragic for me. Um, and I don't feel like it should have happened, but I don't feel like the production should have allowed that to happen. I kind of feel like that's where this whole thing of, because now it's a known thing amongst the fandom that if you are that queen that tries to be magnanimous and kind and say, 
I'm going to vote for myself to go home or you should vote for me to go home because none of these other girls deserve to go. Then you're going to be going home. And RuPaul does not like that. Um, I wonder if that's where that started because Ben de la Creme kind of took the control away from Ru in that moment. Yeah, I think so because, I mean, for those of you that uh, have watched All Stars 5 already or are currently watching it, mm -hmm. um, you see that happen again with Angina. Uh, Angina she wasn't votes. as adamant about being no. like, I want to go home, but she voted for herself. She did. She voted for herself, in which I think that was the right choice. Um, <laughs> we all agree, girl. Get your bald head out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to All Star Street three, not tree. I think uh, <laughs> I, I think Bendela Krim did not make the right decision. Even though I do love Trixie, I think it should have came down to Bendela Krim and Trixie mm -hmm. and Manila. I feel like my favorite is probably season eight with Bob. Um. I have this thing, though, with the seasons. Well, we started with four, which was Sharon Needle's season, which was amazing. But I also have this thing where I don't remember details about really any of the seasons. I just <laughs> look it up and see who won. And I remember, oh, I like that season. Right. And I think I seem to remember liking Bob's season the best. Oh, I love Bob's seasons. Bob cracked me up. That was the first time you got introduced to Derek Barry mm -hmm. and Bob the Drag Queen, Kim Chi. Um, but there was drama between Bob and Derek for the majority of the season and then they ended up making amends mm -hmm. and so I think my favorite season was season 11. Wait, no, season 12. This most recent season? Yeah, with everybody um, with who won? Jada Essence Oh yeah. Hall. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, it's, I'm, the wine and the day it's just going to my head. Um, we have with Jada Essence Hall and um, with Gigi Good and um, what's that mullet girl's name? Crystal Method. Yeah, Crystal Method. Who is Crystal Method for 200? Elder Bart. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just such a, that whole season felt like almost like a um, an all-star season. And uh I really think 100% the thing that got Jada Essence Hall the win was her politics uh, episode. Look over there. <laughs> like, oh my God, it was that was so, so funny. Perfect. And, you know, it didn't it didn't hurt that uh, she was saying, look over there. And um, Jeff Goldblum would always fall for it every time, like a Trump supporter. There was something about season 11 for me that was like... It was missing that rawness that the earlier seasons had, you know, because it seems like every season they get more and more aware of the fact that they are, in fact, being watched and judged in real time. You yes. know, like they were fully saying things in this past season, like America's going to love this or America's not going to like me for this. Like they know what people are thinking about them and watching. They do. Um, so I have a question for you two now. I'm intrigued. Least favorite season? Oh, um, I don't know. That's hard to say. I can tell you right off the bat. What's yours? Season seven. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Remind me of the girls in season seven. G uh, um, oh, my gosh. Uh, that's how memorable it is. I don't remember. <laughs> it was um, uh, Ginger Minge was one of them in the top three. I don't remember the rest. She was my favorite. So all I remember, I mean... The only one that I really remember other than Ginger was Violet. And when she won, I just remember, I, that's the thing. I don't even remember who else was in the top other than them. That's mine. J Violet Tchotchke. That was it. I don't, whatever season she was on, I was like bored. 
<laughs> but then when she won, I was like, oh, well, I guess, you know, like, uh, I don't right. know. I'm sure there was somebody, there must have been somebody on that season that I really liked. But then when they left, I just kind of checked out. Yeah, for me, the whole season was relatively boring, and I really, it never caught my attention as much as the others did. So something else I want to bring up, um, for the sake of people who haven't seen the show yet, I'm going to give you another reason to watch the show. Um, one of the highlights of every season, and it's the see, it's the episode that everybody's waiting on. Okay, so I, I actually really like making comparisons to this show, from between this show and Survivor. Because it has a cult following in the same way in that um, we were talking about how if you kind of be a humble bunny and try to say that I was the worst and I guess if we're going to have to say who should go home, it should be me. And RuPaul's like, well, then go. Uh, Jeff Probst is the same way. If you don't want to be a survivor, go home. There's a million dollars at stake here. Goodbye. So uh, Another um, thing that people wait for is the merge in Survivor. Well, the episode that people are always waiting on for RuPaul's Drag Race is Snatch Game. Uh, And what Snatch Game is, is if you've seen the classic game show Match Game, where you have to match the answers of celebrities to uh, fill-in-the-blank questions, um, they do a parody of this where the drag queens imitate... um, Celebrities. Imitate celebrities, and then they don't have to match the answers. They have to be hilarious. And this the Snatch Game episode is the make-or-break episode some, some seasons. Some seasons, it is not the bellwether sheep at all. It's just a complete disaster, and it's garbage. But sometimes it's fantastic. That being said, what is... I just realized I love your shirt. Oh, thank you. My little anchors. I love anchors. I have a shirt that matches. Maybe I'll go put it on in a minute and we'll wear our anchors together. Twinning. Um, (laughs) I love twins in every single kind of way. Um, (laughs) What are your, what's your take on match game? Because I don't want to say what's your favorite match game. What's your least favorite match game, but like favorite match game, least favorite match game, favorite celebrity impersonation. Oh, Snatch, yeah. Snatch game, least, you know, celebrity impersonations, stupid celebrity impersonations. Give me just the full rundown of Snatch game. So sorry to interrupt, but before we get there, I have um, a breaking news update. We don't know what we're talking about when it comes to season seven. (laughs) So um, the top three were Violent Chachi, Ginger Minj, and Pearl. Oh. And then that season included other queens such as Kennedy Davenport, Trixie Mattel, and it still bored and me. Kasha Davis. It still bored it me. It did me too. So I'm thinking it must have been the production and not the queens because yeah. those are some great queens. Yeah, Trixie was fantastic, but she went home early. I think that season was full of queens with a lot of ingenuity. Yes. Trixie and Kennedy Davenport and Pearl, which I don't know. Pearl, I think Pearl, honestly, to this day, I still think Pearl's uh, claim to fame is the fact that she's got a dick pic out on the Internet. And it's nice. It doesn't hurt that she is gor- like otherworldly gorgeous as both male presenting and female presenting, you know? Yes. There's also Katya on that season. So two of my favorites right there, mm-hmm. Trixie and Katya. Yeah, while the queens were great and they went on to do great things, the season was just boring. I didn't remember it at all. And I don't know how you can have Katya and 
Trixie and all these fantastic queens and Violet Tchotchke wins, which I don't know. I've never seen Violet Tchotchke perform live. So maybe we should when when the society opens back up. Let's find a show that she's at. To be honest, I feel like um, she won on that very first runway that she came out in where they had to do the two looks Mm -hmm. and it went from being a black sequins to being tartan. Oh, yeah. That's and true. I think that's the moment she won. Well, the very I think, first I mean, runway. She was the look queen. It was. And if you're going to win based on look queen, she is great. But she is. It's just so much more like Snatch Game. So let's go back to that real quick. <laughs> so with Snatch Game, I can tell you um, one of my absolute favorite. Well, I can tell you probably top three, but top two right now um, would be um, Jinx Monsoon's Little Edie. And. Uh, number two would probably be Little Richard, Kennedy Davenport. Really? And that was interesting. It's not one of my favorites, but it was fantastic. Third would be Pandora Box as, um, why am I blanking on her name? Uh, Lemons and Limes to prevent scurvy. Uh, Carol Burnett, not Carol Burnett. Carol Channing. Carol Channing. I, my God, I need to think about this. I know for sure that one of my favorites is definitely Little Edie as well. Oh, um, Alaska as Lady Bunny is also fantastic. I loved uh, Sharon Needles as um, Michelle Visage. She did phenomenal as Michelle Visage. But also, I really loved um, Gigi Good's Robot this year. It was that was fantastic. fantastic. Now. Even though these queens did phenomenal in Snatch Game, I think they relied too much on what they already know. Um, And people are going to probably hate my opinion, unpopular opinion. Um, (laughs) But um, Chad Michaels as Cher, even though it was phenomenal, I feel like he just relied on something that he does all the time. Oh, yeah, that was not a stretch. Same for Derek Berry when he did Britney Spears. That was not a stretch. Snoring. So it's just like do something out of your comfort zone. We have to remember, too, Aquaria as Melania with the blinking. <laughs> that was, we, I mean, when we were watching it, we were sure that that was a disaster waiting to happen. And she was hilarious. It was. It was. And also, like, Binda LaCrim, when he he played um, the guy from, uh, um, what is the the game for the um, celebrity um, in the tic-tac-toe? Oh, you're um, talking about Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. like Paul Lynn. Yeah, when he played... Uh, Paul, it was fucking hilarious. Excuse my language. Oh, this is an explicit podcast. You have to have, you have At to least have one of those. You have to have a worldliness about you. Um, so when he did that, it was fantastic. And also, um, Maggie Smith was great um, when he did. Her. Yeah, I think that was good too. Um, so, what was your least like? What was the biggest disaster in your opinion on Snatch Game? I mean, anytime anybody does Beyonce, it's just, you're asking for trouble. Don't do Beyonce. No one else ever do Beyonce. The spirits that protect Beyonce will come for you. They will. Um, probably uh, <laughs> when, when Jiggly did Snooky and did the Snooky smush smush. Yeah, that was stupid. That was kind of stupid. Um, I also, I think it was, the, was it, it wasn't the same season. Maybe it was. Was Jiggly on the fourth season? Because I think it was the same season that Fifi O'Hara did Lady Gaga. Oh, that was awful. And that was dumb, too. Because she did Lady Gaga. I think Jiggly did um, Snooki. And um, then 
somebody did Beyonce that season. Was it Bob the drag queen who did Maya Angelou, or was it Monet Exchange? Monet, they both did it. No, because Monet Exchange did uh, Carol Channing. She did a switch. Oh, did, was that true? Mm-hmm. Okay. She did Maya Angelou and uh, Carol Channing. Because mm. I remember thinking it was funny every time she said, RuPaul, poor thing, felt for her. I felt for her struggle. She was treated unfairly, I think. However, it has to be said that one of the worst Snatch Game performances ever was um, was Aiden Zane. I mean, the fact that she didn't even know for a fact where her character's country was. That that was very sad. And to have that character be portrayed like that from one of my favorite movies of mm-hmm. all time. Uh, and it and it and of itself has a cult following. Rocky Horror is one of your favorite movies. Oh my movies. god, yes. Because it's love Sarah's Rocky favorite Horror. movie as well. Like it's one of my absolute favorite movies. Um and another unpopular opinion, I actually like the uh remake of it. With Laverne Cox. With Laverne Cox. Sarah did not like it. I didn't see it. The thing is, is you have to see it as a remake and not as the original. You can't compare a remake to an original because it will never live up to your expectations. Well, and my mind is already poisoned against it for that because I'm sick of all these remakes and reboots. Yeah. That in itself is another episode that we'll get into. Probably never because it's my show. Um, but it would be a good debating point. <laughs> well, Ethan hates all remakes, and I love nostalgia, and it's my show. So, <laughs> and not yours. <laughs> Which is another drag reference because Katya and Trixie have a show on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. World of Wonder called. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for doing that at the same time. You read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so- I'm sitting over here in the corner, like, producing this show in my mind, and you just did it. You did it. (laughs) I love Rocky Horror, despite the fact that um, Susan Sarandon and I have been in a feud for quite some time. Well, she's also conservative. Actually, she's not. She's a super Bernie bro, and that's why we're upset. She's so so very far left wing that she's one of those that loops back around to conservative and doesn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. She and I started our uh, feud back in 2015, I think, when she was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, my friend Brian uh, had got me tickets to that show, and we were front row, and me and Susan Sarandon made eye contact the entire time she lied about Hillary Clinton. Just was saying. it her emails? No, she lied about how long she and she has not been in favor with Hillary Clinton. I have proof. I'm just saying. We're in a feud. We fight sometimes. We write each other nasty emails. However, I do like Rocky Horror as well. Is it kept on a private server? Mm-hmm. Just like my girl, Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> nothing from you, Ethan? I have nothing to add to this. I just... <laughs> I feel similarly as you do, Kyle. Um, she just, she loves to tell the stories that, for which there are receipts that um, disprove her stories. And that's all I'm going to say. And also, she was wearing a boot on her foot because she had some kind of accident. Not surprised. And it was like seven months that she wore that boot. Get over yourself. <laughs> oh, God. But I will say, back to her previous point, I am willing to separate the art from the artist for her because she's a stunning actress. She really is. 
Um, Stepmom is one of my favorite films. And if she would just apologize to me one time in one of these emails that we send back and forth to each other, it would be done. But I have principles. Also, she doesn't know you. You're no longer welcome on this show. Anyway, because it's his show mm-hmm. and not yours. Well, I do have one more question for you, Billy. Um, okay. And I think you'll have strong opinions on this. Um, I have heard it said by people who do drag that drag is a transformative experience. And uh, everybody, no matter where they fall on the gender or sexuality spectrum, should experience dragification at least once. So, How do you feel about that? So I will say I completely agree with that statement. Because if you have watched Drag Race and you've seen the makeover challenges um, where they take straight men and put them into drag, it completely changes their outlook. If you've seen Celebrity Drag Race where they put straight men in drag, it completely changes their outlook. They might have a gay or LGBTQ plus person in their family, they but they don't understand how that person thinks, how that person operates, you know, or even understands them as a whole. Like that gives them a whole new outlook that they've never seen before and how drag can open you as a person um, to things you've never even thought about. Mm-hmm. It gives you a totally different persona and um, way to... Um, for the world to see you. Um, the reason that's such a pertinent question towards you, Billy, is because we have a friend named Alexa. <laughs> we do. She's currently not here. She hasn't been around for quite some time. And um, by a friend named Alexa, we mean you. You do drag. <laughs> yes. For I, anybody I, who didn't get that. Because <laughs> I kind of didn't land it right. <laughs> I have um, done drag before, yes. And I love it. It's a transformative experience. Um, I was able to do things that I never thought possible. Like, I love performing. It allows you to continue performing if you have no other avenues to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a last resort by any means. I just made it sound like one, but <laughs> it is not. It, it's something that I hold near and dear to my heart. I still love to do it. I'm nowhere near the expert at it, um, as many of the queens on uh, the show are, but it is something that is amazing and has changed my life. Well, and what's fascinating is before we all moved to California, you and Ethan had never met to get except for when you were on stage performing exactly. that night at the club. I had never met Ethan in person as Billy. I had only ever met him as Alexa in a club full of drunk people. And smoke. When Hashtag you smoke. Quest. Oh my gosh. We went our days back at the Queasy. And you did leave Queasy. Trust me. Mm, yeah, no thanks. Um, I'm over you not liking clubs. I'm going to drag you out when society's back open. I'm not reacting to the word club. I'm reacting to the word quest. For those of you that do not know Birmingham. It's all we had. So... <laughs> Going to college, you only had two options. Now they have four, but when we were in college, we only had the Quest, and at that time, it was the Yacht Club was the other option. Yacht Club, Joe, or Al, Yacht Club Joe's and Owls. It changed its name so much. Um, still Owls on 7th. Yes, um, and the Quest was a place where you went to dance, party, mingle with 
pretty much everybody in the gay community. And when we were in college, you could still smoke in the bar. So you, when you left, that you, wasn't all people were doing in that bar. No, they were doing some other harder things. But when you left, you left with a distinct smell on your clothing. I went back there over this past Christmas, and thank God, I've they have finally taken up the black carpet. Oh, thank God. In a way that doesn't really help your clothing, though, because you do leave after a night out in Birmingham with a distinct smell, which is usually back in the day when we were going, it was cigarette smell mixed with the smell of Al's chicken fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because there was a this. Okay, here's a here's a little story for you at the club. Uh, there used to be a Waffle House next to the Medical Center Inn, and then they <laughs> tore it all down. So then we had to go to Al's. <laughs> Not to be confused with Al's on 7th. Exactly. Al's Greek Deli, which is also near UAB. Um, those were good times. See, I always, if I had to pick between the two, I always preferred actually going to, at the time it was Al's. But I've I've never been a person who wanted to go out to dance anyway. So I always wanted to go to Blue Monkey. But I, I was always the only person in the group who wanted to go to Blue Monkey. I got hypnotized once at the Blue Monkey by the piano player. I'm not sure that was above board. <laughs> <laughs> now there are so many more options for not only gay people um, and LGBTQ plus people in Birmingham, but there's just more to do in Birmingham period now. Um now there's a bar in Five Points called Black Market, which we went to before when it was just on 280, and that's a great place. Right. So, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of places nowadays that are more, you know, varied and diverse for people to go. But I do, I mean, the whole point of all this is, to me, the quest is very reliable. She's going to, she she don't remodel. <laughs> She'll always be there like mm-hmm. a cockroach and share. Yeah. After the apocalypse of 2020, she'll be the only thing left standing in Birmingham and we'll still go with because it. the thing is, when I went out with Josh, friend of the show, we went to Owls on 7th and we saw Obscenity, one of the uh, most famous Reba impersonators in America. My my title for her, not not well, actually Reba loves her too. But uh, mm-hmm. we told Obscenity that we were going to go to the quest and she's like that's your choice. <laughs> and so, but then, but then about 1 a.m., everybody we saw at Owls showed up at, at the Quest. Well, and the reason for that being is all the other bars have to close at 2 a.m. in Birmingham. However, the Quest is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And don't you want to be there at 10 a.m.? You know, when, when you're needing a drink, you never know. <laughs> Um, but to take it back to what we were talking about, um, I totally agree with what you're saying about how we see, especially with the straight guys, like I think it was season 11 where they brought in like YouTube people to be made over. Mm -hmm. And I knew Chester C, the musician from other people who I follow on YouTube and he got transformed and you saw his eyes just light up and he literally transformed into a different person. Like his characteristics changed the way that he carried himself changed. He was made into her, you know? Right. Um, And to kind of touch base on that, um, watching Celebrity Drag Race this year and seeing um, Cole, 
who is a um, actor on the show Riverdale, um, has a twin brother. I didn't know he was on it. Yes. We haven't seen any of. Um, so I hope I don't have a spoiler alert for you guys. Well, but one of them is rumored to be gay. No, one of them is gay. His brother, oh, I didn't know Dylan. That. I didn't know that. Oh, Dylan that is happy. gay and Cole is not. Aww. And he, um, Dylan, has stopped acting. Which one is the one that had the dick pic? That would be Dylan. So Dylan's the straight one. Dylan is the gay one. Who had the dick pic. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's it. The, you know, the LGBTQ community loves visual aids. Uh, we that's do. just all there is to I, it. I mean, how, how can you not assess somebody's worth unless you see their dick pic? <laughs> this might be the most explicit episode <laughs> I've ever had. Um, so sorry, everyone who... Is worried that we're taking it to a different level. It's Sorry, Mom. Twenty twenty, we grew up. Okay. <laughs> if Barbara Walters could hear twenty twenty now, she would have never said it. Right. She would never would have. Um, but with that being said, like seeing Cole go through the transformation on Drag Race Celebrity and actually seeing maybe something of what his brother goes through. Mm-hmm. Um even though uh, Dylan does not do drag, but he actually got to see an inside look into the gay community from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And it it's totally life transforming. And I just, I think we all want to feel at some point just the, what it feels like to just be completely different, to be someone else. And not in a way that we don't want to be ourselves, but it is just so freeing to be like that. That's why actors do what they do. They can just be someone else. And it's, you will do things and you'll have the courage to do things that you just would never do in your personal life because it's a different name, a different style of dress, a different way you do your hair. It's a different everything. And I think it really does reveal your true courage inside. It allows you to let out the things that you're most afraid of. Which is why I hope for you to do my own drag makeup one day. I would love that. Do me up. We can see I who comes that. out. I've thought about like wanting to try to do drag as well just because... I've been a performer and I used to wear my grandmother's high heels around the house because I thought it was neat. So be brutally honest with us. Who do you think would make the prettier woman? I think it's him. I, I have seen pictures of him in drag, so I thank you. Me? When have you yeah, seen pictures Ethan, of me I in think drag? You. I've there never done drag. They're all over Facebook. I've never done drag. Girl, I've seen the lipstick. I, I and, think, mm-hmm. well, no, what you're thinking of is when Sarah took me to see Rocky Horror, mm-hmm. the and, live and performance. So it's a little pictures. drag-esque. I was a transsexual from Transylvania. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And I will stand up for him because the intent was never to be full drag. It was just sort of androgyny. The reason why I say him is because I feel like <laughs> this is... A brag hidden in self-deprecation but I feel like because I do have like a stronger jaw and stronger cheeks that it's hard to like mask that because that is a very a more like male shape whereas and I'm fluffy and it's easier to turn that into an hourglass figure wow I mean I wasn't gonna put it that way but your face is fuller so you know but you can't always go off of, like, facial structure. Oh, okay. Um, you have to go off of, like, makeup skills, that kind of thing. Because look at Pearl. Look at uh, Cameron Michaels. They were both very thin, you know, people, and especially Cameron, very muscular, but she made a gorgeous woman, mm-hmm. you know. So you can't yeah. always go off of your male, you know, Well, and structures. I think that's, that's what I love is 
the, ma- the I love the blend of the masculine and feminine. And I, as I've gotten further into my thirties, that's what I've been doing. And, and I, and it's interesting. We were just talking about this today. Like I've really struggled for a long time with how I wanted to express myself outwardly. And I have, you know, changed up my style from time to time. And just before we went dark <laughs> into the times of quarantine, um, I started growing my hair out again with curls and, and like you really do, if you really want to, you find your style and, and mixing masculine and feminine gives a freedom that the LGBTQ community has that straight people just don't give themselves that freedom. And I think that's why drag is so freeing for them because it is something that I think is primal inside of all of us is that we have masculine and feminine and our, you know, I feel like our souls are are craving that balance, and society does not give that balance to us. They make they force us to choose. And I also feel like we sort of we sort of see that trans transformation the most dramatically, like on the show Back to Drag Race, with the straight guys that are brought in for the makeover challenges because women have sort of and not to you know not not to try to make it sound like. Feminism is done and women are equal because that's not at all what I'm trying to say. But women fought the fight of we should be able to wear whatever we want. We should be able to wear pants. We should be able to wear shorts. We should be able to wear sneakers. And now they can. And it's also that stereotype that women sort of can, quote unquote, get away with experimenting in college more because, oh, that's just what women do. Women cuddle and women kiss and women do whatever. And then if it turns out that they're not really lesbians, well, you know, it's whatever. It's just what women do. But straight men, even men who end up being fully straight don't get that ability, right. you know. And so when they're brought onto drag race and turned into women and get to express that side of themselves that they have to sort of tamp down all the time, then we get to see as the audience that release of all of that at once. I agree. Well, I love drag race and I love talking about it with you. And, um, I think it's time we go start a new season of drag race. And with grab a bag of chips. I guess I'll get that when we watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want people to follow you on Instagram? Sure. They can follow me at B as in boy, L a three, five, nine, five, zero. That old Birmingham zip code. Girl, you know it ain't Birmingham. What that is, is it? Northern Alabama. Oh, what what is that? Oh, it's um, Marshall County. Marshall County. <laughs> and if you want to follow Ethan on Instagram, you can follow him at Ethan H. Ham. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at Kyle L. Henderson. Also on Twitter at Kyle L. Henderson. And you can also go to the Facebook group, Not For Nothing, to join the conversation. Let me know what you think about Drag Race because we... We, that's how we're hunkering down in these troublesome times we live in. I, we were doing Life in the Bunker a long time ago. Now we're still in the bunker and life's just getting worse. So we're going to watch Drag Race. Speaking of bunker bitches. See you next time. <laughs>